Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Clarify the intention so it's not a direct. So what do I mean by that? Your intention is that you're not, like I said in the book, you know, on page 84, I said you're not going to go poach their customers. Your intention is to, again, provide an additional service, provide something additive. Maybe you'll end up partnering and joint venturing. I was on two phone calls already, you know, this morning before the, this a reading room, creating a larger opportunity where I could see doing some additive things would provide a bigger service for more people, more impact, make the pie bigger before you cut it smaller. And if you're having a really hard time in your community finding that person, then go to a different community that is of like size, like you know, group. And yes, I mean, if so if you're in one town, you're going to fly to another town of like size, like uh, economy, join their local chambers, find somebody local on the street, find people that are in those businesses. I mean, we're in a global economy, folks, you've got to get out behind just your doors and see what's out there. So go somewhere else um, in a local economy and see what they're doing. I find that very, very frequently in real estate, where the local real estate folks aren't willing to be as open and sharing. So, you know, fly 200 miles or drive 200 miles to another market that's similar. Find a mentor, someone there who's playing a bigger, better game. And it's worth giving up that kind of ownership to get that kind of insight. I mean, I know because we do that all over the place in the markets we're in. We're always seeing who's the biggest, better game. What can we do to partner, make an additive experience, bigger experience, better experience for all. Next one, um, keep the first contact brief, um, set up a structure with them. Like we talk every, you know, if you get them every week, you have hit gold. But if you can get, you know, a conversation once a month with somebody who's a bigger, better game, uh, perfect. If you have to offer some money to them, uh, again, like in number six, you know, use the initial call to set up, you know, a next meeting, second call. But essentially you want a process where you can loop back, loop back, have a conversation. What can I do to help you? Um, and always end your calls with what else can I do to help you. And they, initially they won't know because they don't know you well enough. But always offer your help. Offer your manpower, offer your time, offer to do something. You know, I've done that with mentors my whole life. And it, sometimes it's years before they actually ask for something back. And um, that's all right. Just keep offering your service, offer your support, offer your help to what's next and what you could do. Now, as you go to... Slide six, page 84, there is an informational interview uh, for a model company. So there's 21 questions that you can go through. You know, what's the product or service you're selling? Who are you selling it to? What's the opportunity? You know, was there an opening when, that you took advantage of when you started? Who are the other players in the market at the time? Were there industry trends, current industry trends? So, I mean, these are just 21 questions that I want to put on a PowerPoint for you up on the webinar screen because you go read them in the book, page 84 and 85. And this is just 20, like, again, don't be literal about this. There are a million questions you could ask. This was just to get you started in the process for creating the interview and getting you thinking about what else is there. So I'm going to take off from those 21 questions to some other things that are additive that I want you to think about. Like, Truly, like the, the biggest gifts are the systems of which the company runs. 
see, many of you are probably um, going to be out doing what I call the cash machine driving. You're going to be the one out getting the marketing and sales and connecting and actually possibly doing the work, which means you need an operational system. So you want to see, do they use QuickBooks? Do they use Quicken? Do they use Microsoft Money? Do they use Peachtree? Like, what's the accounting system that they run? Do they run online? Do they run offline? Um, meaning, do they drive everything to their website and run all their orders through their site? What merchant accounts do they use? Um, how do they actually do their kind of that whole operational accounting system? How do they track their leads? Are they an app? Are they in Goldmine? Are they in a custom program? Are they in a yeah an access application? How are their leads being tracked? How do they get disseminated? How do they get followed up with? Uh, how what's the do they have a referral program? Do they have a discounting program? Do they have a coupon program? How do they price? What's their uh, marketing model? Are they online, offline? Are they uh, what's their sales process? Do they, you know, how, how does it work? So you have got to get in. And believe me, you do not stop looking. I mean, even once you find, say you find one or two people or companies that will really be in an open conversation, which they're out there. I mean, I am an open door for so many folks. It's unbelievable. So I know because I had people before me be open doors, and I still have people. Um, and many of them I pay. Like at this level, like I'm going in mid-August down to see, an extraordinary company who is a huge version of what, you know, I'd like to see in Parts of Live Out Loud. And, you know, I'm paying $10,000 just to spend the day with them. Um, so don't, you know, some of you are, you know, it's it's worth the time at, at the right time in your growth to lay down some cash. You know, a lot of people come here just to get connected our, at our mentor program because you have 54 other friends that you're going to be connected with, resourcing, using their experience, which is why our masterminding at our big tables is so brilliant. I mean, table 36, I'll just give them kudos on the call. I don't know that we've ever had a table where 100% of that table has an extraordinary mastermind experience because everyone's sharing and cross-linking and supporting each other in a, a, a most amazing way for the service of the whole table. I mean, everyone came back. It was amazing, amazing to watch. And this is what I know, and I know that it's possible out in your communities. Um, and if it's not out there, lead it. Lead it. And if you're uncomfortable, good. You should be a little stretched out. This isn't like, you know, you're going to wake up and just feel comfortable every day. I mean, if you were just comfortable, that's, you'd know how to do everything. Well, you don't. So it's going to be a little stretch, which is also why mentors, coaches, people who have gone before you are going to be helpful. So, I mean, when I talk about interview, I mean, I want you inside those model companies. I need you to know that you know that you know how do things run, how do things work, um, look at their staff. How does the organization work? It just There's so much to learn when you watch a model company. And believe me, some of you that are all listening to the call that are W-2 workers, right, you've always got to work, start paying attention to that in the company, the very company that you work for. Maybe it's not the thing you're going to do, but that's, what, that's the entrepreneurial part. Like what drives and runs the heart and soul of not only America but most countries is small business entrepreneurialism. And you've got to start thinking that way. Like every time you drive down a street, you want to think about the businesses and how they operate. I mean, very similar when I teach real estate. I said, again, I don't want you driving down the road ever if you're not looking at land, buildings, space, and how the world of real estate truly works. So as you continue on to revenue modeling, let's go there for just a moment, because this is a really big part. Uh, Again, this is a really big part of you – looking in those model companies and digging into what it is that they're doing. And revenue modeling is a huge, 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 huge piece. So as you revenue model, I mean, what we're going to do is we're going to look at 
you know, a couple different places. So, for example, if you wanted $1,200 a month, you know, you want to look at how many hours a week you're going to work. You've got to look at the clients. You're going to break that down to, you know, if you want $1,200, your hourly rate is $25 an hour. That's 12 hours a week, you know, uh, three times a week, three hours each. I mean, you, this is what I call revenue modeling. You're breaking down your units by the rate and the price. Um, we did this on the very first call, which was, say, if you wanted to create an extra $50,000 a year, you divide that by 12, you divide that by four weeks, you divide that by five days a week. Some of you are going to have seven-day-a-week businesses, so that's a different unit price, but you want to build in pricing based on what it is you're wanting to create. For those of you that have network marketing company out, companies out there, brilliant cash machine, you're going to want to break down what unit price, like put up the whole price list. Like I know um, Nikan, for example, I mean, Isogenics, send out cars. I mean, oh, there's just so many. Bionovix, which is a company now, oh, it's brilliant. So you want to look at, re- I mean, here's how you want a revenue. You want to look at retail. What can I do in retail sales? And then what can I do with my team sales? A lot of these companies really teach you to only focus on team sales. There's, there's money to be made in retail sales and selling direct to customers. But you want to break down and list every item that you're going to sell, from a sleep system to a water system to a uh, air filter system to the green drink to the detox system, whatever the thing is, the lotions and potions, whatever you're selling, you know, Arbonne, Mary Kay, I mean, I could just name them and name them and name them. There's hundreds of them out there. But you have to look at a revenue model and say, if I sell X number of things, how much would I make home? So or how much would I take home? So I don't want you guessing and hoping that you're going to make the money. I need you to know how many people, like make this a scientific exercise. How many people do you need to sell X number of what to at what price point? And then I want you to start backing into the amount of contacts you have. So if, if you have a 10% close ratio and you need to sell 10 units at $1,000 to make your $10,000 for the month, then how many people did you need to talk to to sell 10? You need If you're a 10% closer, you need to talk to 100 people, which means two or three months before you needed to have been generating that 100-person list. Now, I'm getting a little into the marketing side of this, but I need you to start thinking that way. Like, how many people do you need to talk to and generate in a list? And as you talk to them, I want you to track their conversations, which is why these systems that I'm talking about, ACT or Goldmine, or like we have a custom system um, that we've actually created and um, spent a lot of money forming. But, it's again, I'm a 10-year company. You don't spend the kind of money I've just spent. You can use ACT, Goldmine. Salesforce, um, contact uh, manager. I mean, just, but you have to track how many people am I talking to? How many times have I asked for the money? How many times have I asked for the close, right? And so track your results. So when, if you can close 10% and, you, and each of those are $1,000 and that gives you 10000 for the month, then the next move, and again, that's marketing that I want you to work on, is working towards a higher closing ratio. So out of 100 people, let's try to close 20 which that's scripting, sales, and marketing. Again, we'll get to that. But for now, I want you to revenue model, meaning I want you to know the price point of every unit of thing you sell, how you're going to package it, how many people need to buy, and then back into how many people you need to talk to to have that happen. See, I don't want you to hope you're going to make an extra 50000 this year or an extra 100000 this year or an extra million this year, whatever your number was when we first started the reading room. I want you to know it. But you've got to get your pricing right, you've got to get your packaging right, you've got to get your number of touch points per day right, so you know exactly what you need to be doing. 
I promise you, revenue modeling will change your behavior. And if you are going, here's the deal, is if you have to talk to 40 people a day, and you've only been talking to four, you're never going to make it. But until you figure out your revenue models and how many touch points you have to have, you are going to justify in your mind that you don't need to spend the money to have your house clean because you can do it. No, if you've only talked to four people and you need to talk to 40, the last thing you need to be doing today is cleaning your house, running errands, getting groceries, running to the dry cleaner. You need to be on the phone. So I, what, what, what revenue modeling does for most people is behaviorally it changes the way you're thinking and looking at things because you realize, boy, I need X hours in a day to talk to so many people to make so many sales to make sure I make my numbers. It's like a certainty factor you've got to put in. I mean, you don't have time to do a lot of these other things, but until you revenue model and lay it out on a spreadsheet, or, I mean, we use flip charts in our office. We have flip, flip charts all over about how many people are in which program and what are they doing and how many people do we have to talk to to have this done and have this done and make those numbers happen to make those results happen. I mean, if you aren't tracking it, you cannot control it. Like, I need you to write that in big red letters. You need to make it a poster that you put in front of yourself. If you cannot track it, you will not control it, which means this is a guessing game, and that's not what I designed a cash machine book for. I want certainty in your models. I mean, I cannot hammer home revenue modeling enough. Now, some of you say, well, I don't like numbers. So what? Get a friend who does. Start doing this. Don't use a spreadsheet. Just get out a piece of paper and a calculator and start writing numbers down if you don't know how to build a spreadsheet. I can promise you you're going to fall in love with the numbers and say, boy, if I want to make 10000 a month, i got to back into that, back into that. I can make this happen. And then, then we're going to lead to marketing, which is how many people do you have to be talking to? How do you generate the leads for that? I mean, there is a science to this art of building a cash machine. And the more that you get this piece down, and you have certainty about your numbers, the more cash is coming in your door. I guarantee it. But you have got to spend the number, the, the time making sure that you revenue model the exact amount of money and what units of what you've got to sell. <clears throat> if you're a photographer, how many gigs do you have to have a day? If you're a house cleaner, how many gigs do you have to have a day? If you're a psychologist, how many people individually you have to talk to? How many teleseminars do you have to do? You've got to get product on your shelf because you can't just be talking to people one by one by one. That would be the same business model as massage, as chiropractors, as acupuncturists, as dentists. Like those of you who are doing one by one by one service-based businesses, I mean, you've got a stopping point called you one-on-one -on -one in time. So then you have to think additive. You have to think, okay, well, how am I going to revenue model this in a bigger way? Like, I want to make more money. Well, then get them on a group call. Offer group models. Offer a membership. Offer a referral program. You've got to put additive things around so you're not just stuck. Like, I don't know how many psychologists, acupuncturists, massage therapists are stuck at eighty dollars to $100,000 businesses because there is no more of them. There are no more times. There's no more hands. Now, you can also go hire a bunch of subs. And now a lot of you will say, and this is where your ego gets in the way, oh, but nobody can do it better than I can. Oh, come on. They might not do it exact, but I bet if you're training, you could get them 85% there, 90% there. And believe me, it's enough to continue a sustainable, quality business. So, like, do it, do it. Um, again, I'm going to reinforce the next slide. You can uh, learn to earn more. The $100,000 model, again, backing into the 416 a day. Let's go to additive revenue from this slide. Let's go to some additive learning here. So additive revenue looks at, again, kind of using those chiropractors that are psychologists or kind of those one-on-one -on -one kind of model businesses. What's additive? I'll use a personal trainer. If you're a personal trainer and have that kind of one-on-one -on -one business, I mean, you could add supplements, 
many of you could all add supplements to your line. Uh, most people's daily diet does not give them enough nutrition. Um, you could add group counseling. You could add membership. You could add um, online training. You could add DVDs, CDs, workbooks. Uh, even if they're not your workbooks, add, you know, offer um, just for the ease. Believe me, it's so interesting when you, you – know, I don't know how many people refer books to people. Like this is just a great additive revenue source to every one of you on the phone call. <laughs> There's probably already been 10 books written that you really like about the thing you're doing. Um, I mean, I did this for a long time. I represented 18 different authors, 18 different things that I thought were additive that could provide value to my customer because I didn't have product. I didn't have books written. In fact, I won't ever write a textbook in detail of tax. I can promise you. But there's four or five textbooks that I can refer you to. And if I put them up um, on our website, <clears throat> like we used to do this, we actually different business model. But many of you could do that. You could put up those things. You could have them on your shelf right there. So if you're a personal trainer, maybe you have four or five different books of people that you've really liked and endorsed or a massage book or a nutrition book where right there in the convenience of the space that you have or in your home or the office or wherever they are, you can immediately get a sale versus send them out to Amazon to get the sale, and you take the override revenue. I think there's so many of you that are doing referral things and not getting the money that you could add that to your revenue model, make it additive. You have a customer base or somebody has the customer base that you want you need Make it additive to your revenue model now. There's revenue today sitting around you. You just don't see it. So, Don, I'm going to go to a few questions because I know I've been adding in a lot of content. Let's go to a few questions, and I'm going to continue the insourcing, outsourcing, key phrase, a few more things. But that's a lot of content right now, so let's see if there's some questions out there. That's a lot of content, and you have uh, spiked a lot of questions here. Uh, I would like to start a dog walking business and have my kids help by offering additional services like scooping poop and playing with their pets. Uh, how would I price this, and is this a good idea to do with my kids? That's Lisa in San Diego. I think it's a great idea. The first thing, having kids, though, uh, and an animal that's not yours is liability, you know, making sure that the animals are safe with your children, my first thought being a mom, too. <laughs> but is it uh, for you know, older kids? Absolutely. Um, I would price it. I don't think you're going to price the kids uh, as an individual unit. I think you've got to price it with the package. I'd also package other things like, you know, little doggy biscuits and food and, you know, animal supplements. And I would also price in things you can do for their home. Can you pick up, you know, newspaper, their dry cleaning, their a few groceries, not like their, you know, huge weekly, you know, grocery, but, you know, there are a few things like milk. Or can you pick up some food for them on the way home They're, as you return their dog back from the walk? I've helped build dog walking companies and pet sitting companies and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of additive revenue that you can put around that because you're starting already out, right? You've already picked up the animal. You've taken it out to the park or, or somewhere to do its walk or, you know, exercise it, do whatever you're doing. You could uh, do its grooming. There's just a lot of added things. You, and a lot of people don't get it, but you wouldn't just take it down to, you know, the local grooming shop. You're going to work out with the local grooming shop uh, referral revenue because you're bringing the pets, you know, at a volume because of your name. So you're going to get some referral money. That's just free money for being the referring source. You're going to do that with a lot of places. You're not just um, adding it up so you have a nice package for the customer. You're also getting referral revenue from the businesses that have become the support to you. So absolutely, um, 
I do package prices. The other thing, too, um, and we'll do pricing a little bit today. We've done it a little bit last week. We're going to do it more in the future as well. But packaging things mean instead of just per hour one time is, you know, I would create in your uh, company like a six-month package, a three-month package. So you're not having to chase the sale month after month after month. Do a big sale. Do a large contract. Do the scope of the contract. Add in the extra plane, you know, with the animals and, you know, scoop and poop and all that kind of stuff. I would have that be an additive package, and uh, you're just using your kids as, honestly, lower labor than your cost. It's what you do oh. in other situations as well. All right, great. Uh, Georgina from Auckland, New Zealand writes, is it okay to use model companies that are outside of my geographic area, and are there pitfalls I should avoid? I think you, the, if somebody's done what you wanted to do, and it's in a different part of the geographic area, as long as you can glean information and, you know, key strategic points back to you, absolutely um, in fact, when you want to go global, I would find them strategically in those geographic areas and move out specifically. I think what you have to really get clear about is what is it that you're wanting from the specific person. Like you're the one going to them. So remember the relationship is you sourcing them versus you thinking you're going to go to them and say, so tell me what you do. I mean, too general, too vague. They're not going to give it up. You need to lead and contextualize this relationship in a very strategic way. And just know the first time out, second time out, you probably do okay, but you probably aren't as strategic as like I would be. Um, but I do this day in, day out. I'm constantly looking for opportunities. I mean, you're going to start becoming more of an opportunity junkie and <laughs> like, I mean, just seeing it. You'll be able to see very clearly, very quickly how things can link and fit together. In the beginning, you'll do your best shot. The more you do it, the more, I mean, this is one, it's, uh, you know, this is true muscle conditioning. The more you do it, the stronger you get at it. If you only do this once and then lay off of it, I mean, you still got atrophied muscles. You are not going to get real strength if this doesn't become a constant additive thing that you do. Like, I think networking is all messed up. I don't think people have a clue how to network. If you were really networking, you would be doing exactly what I read it to talk about in this chapter. You would be sourcing other people in the room for model company ideas, marketing ideas, just because an accountant's doing a specific marketing thing, what could you do to glean some information and maybe do it too? I mean, or to put a spin on it and then take it in. I'm always looking for what are people doing, how are they driving their business, how are they running for revenue in a way that's really going to create more and how can you link and be additive with that. So I don't think it has to do with geographic area as much as it has to do with how, what's the process that you're using to link to the information, source the information, and use it for your own company and cash machine's benefit, too. Good question. Next up. Yeah, great question. Casey, and I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, Laurel. Casey uh, owns an antique uh, business, and it's in an antique mall with lots of other business owners in that same mall. Uh, traffic is slow. She's concerned about increasing her marketing because it brings those people into the same mall, and then she's basically bringing them to you know, her competitors as well by spending her marketing dollars. So her question is around marketing, other ways to market. Is Internet or eBay a viable option for her antique uh, business? Any other ideas? Um, I think all channels, um, online, offline, referral, um, antiquing is huge. I mean, there are people who <clears throat> there are 
what I'm going to call underground networks. I mean, people who have been doing it for years, they know each other. There's antique shows um, where people just source and get connected. I don't, and you're going to have to go out and see, are people online at that antique, or are they more show-oriented? Because my sense of them and my experience of them is that they like to touch and feel and see and really, you know, know the quality. Um, and you're going to lose that kind of authentic quality assurance of knowing it's an antique because antiquers can see something, touch something, smell something, and they know it's an antique. So putting it online, you're going to have a little authenticity issue that you're going to have to get through. But I think I try, I try all channels. I mean, I, I would eBay. I'd probably go to MySpace. I'd put up something on YouTube, like, you know, qualify yourself as an antiquer. I mean, give yourself a title. I mean, call yourself, you know, the world's greatest antiquer or the Institute for Antiques. I don't care what you do to get your name and your brand out. But um, I would do all various ones. Now, what you have to do first for you beginners is you've got to prioritize. There are more ways to market than you probably have initial dollars to do. So I would do some testing. Is online better? Is offline better? Um, put a little money here, a little money here. Just like all marketing right? experts will always tell you, is test a little first before you go full-blown and spend all your money in one area and then not have enough money to test other areas. Good question. Uh, let's see. Paul in Tacoma, is, and he's referring to the $100,000 a year target. He says, is this gross revenue or net profit? Do I need to increase that one hundred k goal to include my expenses? So it's really up to you how you want to do that. Here's what I'm going to say is once you pick your your process, then you stay with it. What <clears throat> The way that the book's written, the way that I teach initially for the beginners is I do it from just gross numbers. If you want to make 100 grand, it's 100 gross. Now, clearly there is some business strategy and, and ways and, you know, just smart business practice that you, you know, want to back into a margin and a net that's really important. Like, you know, I always say I won't get up for a single-digit return. I mean, I wouldn't get out of bed for 8% or 10% or 9%, 10 maybe, um, depending on what my level of equity. But, I mean, I want to play in a 15 20 30% margin range. So you kind of pick your top, pick your bottom, back into it. And, you know, uh, you it just depends on, you know, how you can play, which is a great segue back to our slides. I'm going to kind of come back over here because insourcing and outsourcing affects that margin more than anything else. So if you go to slide nine, I want you to just look at insourcing versus outsourcing. Now, I don't think that I wrote as much in the book about insourcing and outsourcing as I probably should have now that I'm, you know, really, I mean, living in, nothing wasn't living in breathing the streets with people. I don't know. I just didn't get into this chapter very much. So regardless, insourcing, outsourcing. Insourcing means that you are going to completely bring these people into your business. You're going to hire them. They're going to have exclusive contracts with you. Like, like you're going to run the business internally. Live Out Loud is an internally run, in-source level business. Um, outsourcing means you're going to outsource everything, and it's just going to be you and a whole bunch of outsourced contracts. So let me use um, someone, Carl and I, about a year ago, worked with a woman who had uh, de developed a company, a cash machine, as she was online with us, called Every Mother Needs a Mother. And she outsourced everything because – for her, it didn't make sense in the beginning. For many of you, it won't make sense in the beginning because you won't be making enough money. So, for example, every mother needs a money was like, or every mother needs a mother, was like um, a concierge kind of business where she would get a mother as a customer and they needed a little nanny service, maybe a massage, maybe some house cleaning, maybe some groceries, some cooking, some errands. Right, so it was kind of a variety of things. Well, she didn't have enough business in the beginning in any of those areas to afford especially because she was bootstrapping it, 
to afford to hire full-time help in all those areas. So what she did is she looked to the outside community and said, okay, I'm a partner with this cleaning service, this nanny service, this massage service. And so she had contracts where she outsourced to those groups, made revenue in those ways. So I got money for, for using them, you know, as a service. And then was like the broker of all of them. So she would sit down with the family and figure out all their needs, and then she would help coordinate all that service for them so they didn't have to do that and then make money that way. And then as she's made more money, she now is able to bring in and insource several full-time housekeepers, which then brought more money home to her bottom line. And then be able to have some full-time nannies to service the request, bring in some full-time pet sitters. So over time, having all those people on staff in her own business is the ultimate goal. That's the insource model. All those people work for you. You give them all the business. That's the higher profit margin. That's what I do at Live Out Loud. I insource all my stuff. I mean, it's a very rare occasion, a very specialized service that you go to and outsource uh, in what, what I'm doing. But there are speakers. I would say 90% of my colleagues outsource everything. They outsource their strategy teams. They outsource their marketing teams. They outsource their web teams. They outsource their, you know, coaching. In fact, most people's coaching is pathetic. They read scripts that have been written by people who don't even know what the work is, but all they do is read a script every day. I mean, we grew our coaches through the Big Table program through a year plus of then specialized training to then become a coach for us. And then we have regular coaches retreats. We have regular training, and everybody's in the work, and they're living and breathing. I mean, it's just it's a different model. Insourcing it, every model will keep more revenue home. Uh, outsourcing is a great startup model, but you're going to spend more and eventually, what you, I think what you guys need to be thinking about in your cash machine is how do I start with an outsource so I can just bootstrap and keep things going and start making some money? And then strategically, how do I plan bringing pieces of it home, bringing it on staff, bringing it in-house? And clearly, yes, that means you're going to get out of your house and go get an office, which is great because you're going to do this for a long time. This isn't a short-term little you know, thing we're doing for eight weeks. This is a life move you're making. I can promise you when you get your cash machine up and you get your own office space and you've identified yourself as an antiquer or a consultant or a whatever your cash machine thing is, as it makes money, your job is going to be less and less attractive to you. So I know some of you are holding on to those jobs for dear life, but I just promise you, it's making money is fun, providing service to the world is fun, creating, being an open space. If you want something, you now have the ability to create new money for it versus say, well, I can't afford that this year. You can afford everything this year. You just got to learn to make some more money. So, again, fast path to cash, outsourcing, again, gives away margins in the beginning, but you're going to bring it home over time as long as you get that model correct and on track in the right way. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.